What do the MCU, Star Wars, Harry Potter, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and Jesus have in common? Well, I have Dr. Frank Turek and Dr. Bobby Conway here to connect the dots. Hello, Thinking Christians. If you wish to deepen your Christian faith and learn how to defend the Christian faith, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Today, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Frank Turek with us, and we're going to be talking specifically about his new book called Hollywood Heroes. And before we get too far, Frank, you mentioned that there is a special for anyone that's interested in this book, if they purchase it before May 3rd, you said? That's right. The audio version is included with that. So you want to make sure that you head on over to HollywoodHeroes.com. HollywoodHeroesBook.com. HollywoodHeroesBook.com and check that out as soon as possible. So we're going to we're gonna dive in here. So this is going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> the uh, just the action movie, these heroes, the, the, the superhero movies, they have dominated the top 25 mm-hmm. uh, movies of all time. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that superhero movies have so much of a connection with us. Why are we so connected to these movies? Because we want to be taken out of this world of pain, suffering, and and uh, the idea that we know something is beyond this world, this world of decay, of pain and suffering and, and trouble. We all want to be taken out of it. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we want someone to come in and take us to the promised land, and that's what these superheroes do. Yet these superheroes also point to the ultimate hero, Jesus. That's why we... We call the book Hollywood Heroes, How Your Favorite Movies Reveal God. When you look at some of these characters, whether it's Iron Man, whether it's Captain America, Batman, Wonder Woman, on and on and on, these different heroes in these movies, they're pointing to the ultimate hero, and they're also pointing to the fact that these heroes take us from this world of decay, pain, and suffering Mm -hmm. to a place where we all want to go, and that's ultimately going to be a place where there's no pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus does. He takes us to heaven, ultimately. You know, Frank, when I think about you, uh, you know, uh, it, I think it's really cool that you're doing this book, Hollywood Heroes. Um, you know, what got you into this? I mean, I know you've done this book with your son. Mm-hmm. You've written this with your son. Uh, have you always liked the Marvel movies or is this something that your son's like, hey, dad, come on, you got to get... Well, yeah, yeah. My, my son is the movie buff. <laughs> my son, when he saw the the second trilogy of Star Wars, he was 11. I saw the first trilogy, I was 15. You know, when the yeah. first Star Wars movie came yeah. out, he was 11, he went to see Phantom Menace, and then he got so into it that he would read all the books in mm. the in the Star Wars sort of subculture. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't know, hundreds of these books about Star Wars that you can read. And he would read those. And then, of course, he got into Harry Potter. He got into the Marvel series. He got into all that. And so he's the real movie buff, Bobby. Yeah. And so four or five years ago, we're just sitting around talking. And I said, uh, you know, these there's so many elements in these movies that can help us teach mm good uh, theology, good apologetics, good biblical life lessons. Why don't we try and put together a book? And since he knew the movie so well, he was the perfect guy to do it with. He's also a graduate of Southern Evangelical Seminary. Yeah. Even though he's already in, he's been in the, in, in the Air Force since he graduated college. He did that going to seminary while he was at, uh, while he was in the Air Force. So yeah. he's still in the Air Force. He's an intelligence officer. But yeah, we took four or five years 
and on and off wrote this book. So now it's yeah. just coming out May 3rd. I got a question for both of you guys. But okay. before I ask, I got to say, like, I remember when Star Wars came out when I was a kid. I, mm-hmm. I think I was four. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I got to dress up as Darth Vader. I still, <laughs> my heirloom from childhood is like, the original Darth Vader mask. And man, I had the box for years. <laughs> right? And so at, at Christmas time, man, I loved it, man, when I would just get all of the, you know, the different, um, you know, what are those things Action called now? Figures Action figures or whatever. Figures, yeah. Yeah, whatever those things. I mean, I, I, I had it all, the, the Falcon. Um, but I can say my mom, I remember when she let me do my bedroom in Star, Star Wars wallpaper. Mm-hmm. It was black. And it was amazing. Stars on the ceiling. It was the best. If you guys uh, had to pick, do you have a favorite superhero? Well, right now for me, it's Iron Man because there's so much in Iron Man that I think parallels real life and even parallels Jesus. And maybe we can talk about it a little bit later, but I really, and I, th- and I thought that Robert Downey Jr. had just played that character so well. In fact, mm-hmm. in real life, he is Tony Stark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the same kind, we talk about it in the chapter on Iron Man. He had the same kind of life experience that Tony Stark has in the movie. So yeah. he's the perfect guy to play it. But I, I mean, I like them all, but Iron yeah. Man is kind of my favorite. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good question. I think I would have to say Star Wars would be what I would use as well, only because it was such a thing that my brother and I got into when Mm -hmm. we were growing up. He loved it. We had the action figures. We had all the different toys and stuff like that. So I was loved Star Wars and I've loved uh, introducing my 11 year old to kind of the new set of Star Wars so I think remember early on in COVID we did the you know in order Phantom Menace all the way through the new ones <laughs> we, we you know because you know, we can go anywhere we're kind of basically locked yeah, in so we right. spent about a month watching all of the Star Wars movies that we could get our uh, our eyes on so mm-hmm. yeah well let, let's get a little bit controversial here mm-hmm. um, one of the one of the characters in the book that you highlight is Harry Potter. Right. And we know that uh, Christians are often kind of, they pull back from pop mm-hmm. culture a little bit. So there's been some controversy, especially with movies like Harry Potter. How do you co- address that controversy and how do you connect like the Harry Potter story in the book? Well, we point out, number one, that it's up to parents what they what let their kids watch, obviously. Every yeah. parent, you know, should watch what their kids watch closely. And I understand why people didn't want you know, the occult kind of things in Harry Potter in the Christian home, at least initially. However, I don't find that same kind of concern for, say, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf is a wizard, right? Right, <laughs> and, and Chronicles of Narnia, even the C.S. Lewis, you know, they ha- there's, there's wizardry in there. There's the, the occult in, in those movies as well. And so if we can't watch anything that has any evil in it, we couldn't even read the Bible, by the way. There's evil yeah, throughout the right. Bible, right? Uh, and no good story is, or let me put it another way, good stories always have good versus evil in them. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be interested. You know, if you started a movie and saying, and they lived happily ever after, none of us would be <laughs> <laughs> interested, <laughs> interested yeah, in yeah. it. So there's a tension that comes with uh, all of these movies and to go to Lucas, Lucas says they're all morality plays. George Lucas says that's what the whole Star Wars series is. It's a big morality play. And so Mm -hmm. is the Harry Potter series. Now, J.K. Rowling is British, as you all know. Mm -hmm. She says the whole series can be epitomized by two Bible verses, which you find in the movies. Mm -hmm. One is from 1 Corinthians 15 about death being destroyed. And the other is from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, uh, where your treasure is, there, there your heart will be, yeah. right? 
And she says the whole, all the movies can be epitomized by those two Bible verses. Now, it turns out that Harry Potter has more in common with Jesus than virtually any other character we cover in the book. Hmm. Number one, he's prophesied, just like Jesus is, to arrive, to be a Messiah. Number two, he has to act morally to achieve what he needs to achieve to be the Messiah. Number three, he dies for his friends. And then number four, he rises from the dead to protect them. Hmm. Well, that's what Jesus does, right? He's prophesied. Yeah. He has to live a moral life. He dies and he resurrects to save his people. That's what, that's what Harry Potter does. Yeah. And she says, these are British books. You would expect people to... Uh, see these kinds of themes come through a book from a British writer. She said, but I never wanted to talk about it because I didn't want people to know where we were going, mm. you know, in the books yeah. and, and through the movies. So there's a lot of parallels uh, from Harry Potter to Jesus. And we point out, of course, the ultimate hero is Jesus. All right. these different movie characters are just pointing to the ultimate hero. Yeah, and that's why I think it is so important when mm -hmm. we consider the question to watch or not to watch, once we understand worldview training, I think mm -hmm. a lot of Christians and even churches for that matter, uh, they approach Sunday as, okay, we show up and the pastor's thinking, I got to put the message together and somebody's got to get saved. And it's all about just, you know, saying the prayer so mm -hmm. I can get to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. right. Uh, and that's just a conversation point anyway, like as if there's some magic prayer in the Bible, right? I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. Mm -hmm. But this is where worldview training is so important, mm -hmm. and that's what this book is, is mm -hmm. it really teaches people how to have a biblical worldview. When my kids were young, uh, it seemed like anytime we would finish a movie, we'd walk out, and I would say, where does this movie align with our biblical mm -hmm. worldview, mm -hmm. and where is it out of alignment? We're trying to teach our kids to think Christianly. We're not trying to stick their head in the sand. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what we try and do in the book, Hollywood Heroes. We say, enjoy the movies, but then talk about them. We have a list of questions at the end of each chapter so you can dialogue with your kids or anyone that's interested in these movies, right? I mean, there are people that'll never darken the door of a church, but they'll watch Harry Potter and you go, well, do you know that Harry Potter has the same characteristics that Jesus has in real life. I mean, mm -hmm. Harry Potter saves the wizard, the, 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 the wizard world of JK Rowling. Yeah. Jesus saves the real world that you and I are in. Mm. <laughs> right? That's right. right. You want the real world yeah, or the yeah, big yeah, world? Yeah, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, let's, let's go to, let's transition to a, another a British author, uh, kind of pair of authors here. So J.R.L. Tolkien, uh, author of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit series. Mm -hmm. um, he convinced uh, another author, C.S. Lewis, who's famous for the Narnia series. And again, several other books that Christianity was the true myth. Mm -hmm. So we've been kind of, you know, dancing around some of this. What, what do you mean by the true myth? Well, Lewis was always enthralled with stories about dying and rising gods, and he was very enthralled with these kinds of stories. And then Tolkien pointed out to him, because they were friends, they were in a, a group called the, uh, the the Inklings, where they would yeah. get together and they'd be authors and they'd, they'd, they'd talk about what they're writing about and and Tolkien was part of that. Of course, Lewis was. And at one point, Tolkien turned to Lewis and said, Jack, because that's what they called him, Jack, you know, why are you so enthralled with all these dying and rising God myths, but not Christianity? It, it seems mm -hmm. like you're not interested in that at all. And he, he basically said to, to Lewis, he said, Christianity is the true myth. All these other myths you're reading about are fake, but they're pointing to the real story, the true myth. Christianity is actually true. Jesus died and rose again. And it was like a light bulb went off in Lewis's head. And as you know, he spent the rest of his career basically writing why Christianity was true. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so the true myth is Christianity. It actually happened. Yeah, and I'd want to say to those who are out there, maybe 
driving in your car or at home watching this on a computer, if you're somebody uh, trying to figure out what it is that you believe, consider reading Mere Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, study up on C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Here was an Oxford and Cambridge don. He went from atheist to theism, and then on his way to the local zoo in his brother's sidecar, <laughs> right. he is converted. And when he's asked about his conversion story, he says, all I know is when I got my brother's sidecar, I wasn't a Christian. And when I showed up at the zoo, I was. Yes. The wind blows where it wills. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's funny too. In the book, we, we cover how Lewis and Tolkien had no tolerance for materialism. Because, mm. you know, if, yeah. if we're just determined to believe what we believe, why would we believe anything we think is true? You know, it's, self, it's a self-defeating. And the atheists, they think we're all moist robots. Right. You know, so why should we believe what we believe? We shouldn't. They're defeating their very ability to think. And I don't know if, you, have you guys seen uh, Max McLean's new movie? Yeah, uh, I did, yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. It's, it's called uh, Most Reluctant Convert. And they depict when Lewis learns that materialism makes thinking impossible. And he was a materialist at the time from one of his friends. He, they depicted it in the movie this way. Lewis is walking down some stairs and he goes, I, 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 I can't believe I've never seen this before. Why didn't I see that, that determinism is self-defeating? He said, I, he said, I now believed in spirit. I didn't believe in God because I didn't want him to be a nuisance. Because you see, God's going to tell me how to live and I don't want him yeah, to tell exactly. me how to live. Right, so I didn't right. want God to be a nuisance. Can't we just believe in spirit? <laughs> <laughs> and then he would learn you can't customize your own version That's of God. Right, right, That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I, again, man, this is a fascinating conversation because, uh, you know, as a family, we, like I said, we watched the Star Wars movies. Um, my, uh, Again, my 11-year-old and my wife have been reading the Harry Potter, so we've been kind of mm-hmm. reading a book, and then we watched the movie. And one of the other movies that we've just finished up watching is we did a marathon of the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm. And we've tried to, again, make connect some of those dots, and we did that with the Narnia series as well. So they read the books, and then mm-hmm. we you know talked about some of the Christian influences with that. But one thing that I thought was interesting uh, about your book that you brought out is why did Tolkien pick The Hobbits? to play the hero in Lord of the Rings. Help unpack that for us. Well, because I think, and and my son says this too, that when you see Tolkien picking weak characters to be heroes, that's where his true Christianity shines. Mm-hmm. Because you look throughout the Bible, the Bible people, the people that are heroes in the Bible are all weak. Mm. I mean, you know, David's weak. He's just a shepherd boy. Moses is weak. He's a stutterer. You know, he, he's a murderer. God picks him anyway. Uh, Paul is against the Christian faith completely, and he has issues, obviously, and and uh, yet God picks him. Uh, Matthew's a tax collector. Everybody hates him, yet, yeah. yet God picks him. Mark can't even complete a missionary journey to the point where Paul's all <laughs> upset with him, yet he he gets with Peter and he and he and, and he writes a gospel. Uh, it's I mean it's weakness after weakness. Peter yeah. is he supposed to be the leader, right? He he denies Christ three times. He runs away at the crucifixion. I mean he has to be dope slapped by Paul later in the book of Galatians. I mean he's just a weak guy. Yet God uses the weak. So when Tolkien is using hobbits to save the world, he's basically pointing out that we're going to save the world through weakness and yielding to God rather than by power of arms. And even Gandalf in in uh, the the series, Lord of the Rings says, we're not going to win this by power of arms. Mm, we're going to yeah. win it in another way. Yeah. You think about like a Nick Voyachek, 
mm-hmm. and how he has been used by God. Uh, no hands or no arms, no legs, no mm-hmm. worries. Uh, I think he wrote a book with that title. Yeah, right. And so. it's just incredible. I mean, talk about weakness or you think about Helen Keller. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people uh, that are out there right now and they feel like, man, uh, how can I make a contribution? And in America, you know, we value, uh, you know, success and Mm -hmm. we value, you know, corporate, uh, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, climbing the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. But Jesus comes along and, you know, he takes the weak things and he meets us with his power there. And I think that's incredibly encouraging. That's why Paul says, when I'm weak, I am strong because when I'm weak, I'm going to depend on God. I'm not Mm -hmm. just going to depend on my own power. And uh, the hobbits have to depend on everybody else to get the ring to Mordor, right? They've got to depend on Gandalf to strategize it. They got to depend on Aragorn to bring the forces of Mordor out, all the orcs, because, you know, they think, oh, well, Aragorn must have the ring, mm-hmm. right? So we're yeah. going to, they're going to use the ring to try and defeat us. So we're going to go take out Aragorn and all of his, his soldiers. Meanwhile, Sam and Frodo are able to cross Mordor without yeah. being Mordor without being um, in any way uh, stopped by these orcs because all the orcs are trying to fight Aragorn, and yet even when they get, you know, when when uh, Frodo gets to the to the volcano, all he needs to do is drop the ring in and then human nature takes over and he gets, the ring is mine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then of course, G- Gollum shows up, my precious. Right? precious. He, he wants to take it back. And it, it, there's so much in there that that you know, there are biblical life lessons, there's theology in there that, and that's what we, we uncover in Hollywood Heroes. Oh yeah. yeah. And even the ring you take, yeah. uh, you know, and obviously Token is borrowing from Plato uh, with uh, the ring of Gaia. And you got to think about the whole idea of of our motivation for morality. Like mm-hmm. if we could be invisible and mm. nobody would see us, mm-hmm. uh, would we attempt to do some things that we wouldn't do? Right. And so on one level, I'm thankful for where we got this capacity for guilt uh, that we can feel because you could be invisible and still feel guilty and you know not want to do yeah. something. Now, Frank, um, are you going to be dressing up as Tony Stark when you go out to <laughs> preach about your book in churches? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then I'm going to wind up on preachers with sneakers, right? right. <laughs> I'm going to wind up there, and I don't have the money to dress up like Tony Stark, but but yeah, I mean it. it all these characters are so much fun. I mean, Tony Stark, Batman, Luke, Han Solo, we cover yeah. him in there, you know, Darth Vader, of course. I find your lack of faith disturbing. I can't, I can't do it very well, but you get the idea. So, I mean, well, well, try to try to connect some of these different pieces. Uh-huh. So, uh, how do you compare uh, to Hollywood heroes? What is unique about Jesus specifically? Oh wow! Well, if that's the last chapter, the Ultimate Hero, chapter okay. eight. After we go through Captain America, Iron Man, Harry Potter, uh, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, uh, Batman, and Wonder Woman, we get to the ultimate hero. And we say, if you could add up all the positive qualities of all these characters, would you have Jesus? No. You'd have somebody closer to Jesus, but not completely. And I think one of the characteristics of Jesus that we highlight in that chapter uh, is something that uh, I think shows his perfection that if you look at these kind of qualities in people, very few people have these qualities. What, what am I talking about? You've probably heard that weaknesses are just strengths pushed to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Like for example, 
Uh, if you're task-oriented, that's a strength, right? But it can also be a weakness. Why? Because it may cause you to roll over people without paying any right. attention to them, right? Mm-hmm. And so your, your, your weakness is just a strength pushed to an extreme. You don't see that in Jesus. Mm. Like, for example, here are some of the things that we, we, we bring out, that Jesus is full of truth, but also grace, mm. right? He's 100% truth and 100% grace at the same time. Uh, Jesus is full of holiness, but he's also approachable. You know, he's not yeah. like holier than thou. You can't approach me. Mm-hmm. He's also supremely approachable. He's strong, but he's also tender. Mm. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see these qualities uh, existing in any other person yeah. in history or even people I know now. Right? He's confident, but he's also humble. He's uh, completely mission focused, but he's also loving. Now, do you know anybody that has all those qualities? Maybe there might be somebody that holds one or two of those intention well. But I don't know of anybody that holds them all well, right? right? 100% truth, 100% grace. 100% holiness, 100% approachability. 100% strength, 100% uh, tender. 100% confident, 100% humble. 100% completely mission-focused, but also loving at the same time. I don't, mm. I don't see anybody doing that. Yeah. I mean, right? I figured it out, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of Bobby Conway, That's right, who can right. do it in one minute, by right, the way. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. What do you think about uh, the whole idea um, of these characters um, now with where Hollywood is getting more progressively liberal Mm -hmm. and the future of Marvel. Oh yeah. I mean, is it going to strip the hero piece out of this? Well, it might, it's probably not going to strip the hero piece out of it, but the hero might have different qualities, you know, like the hero is going to be LGBTQ or something. Right. I mean, that's where they're heading with this kind of thing. Right. But even using those characters, the same, Principle. Basic storyline and principle is there. We've got to got to rescue people from pain and suffering and evil, right? It's still right. going to be there. Yeah, it's just going to be uh, a little bit cast differently based on who the who the hero is, right? Okay. So yeah. yeah, you can't get away from it. No matter where you go, you're going to find that you're going to find that issue that there's pain and suffering, and how do we get people out of it? Mm. So talk to us a little bit here in our few remaining minutes about some practical uses that you would like to see uh, this book take on. Well, I think it can be used particularly with parents or grandparents and their their kids or grandkids. It can also be just used with anybody that's interested in movies. You could do movie nights, right? With yeah. people, small groups, Bible studies, that kind of thing. You know, watch these movies and then we'll talk about it. Or, uh, you know, th- th- this week we're going to watch this movie. Next week we're going to talk about it. However you want to do it, right? We have a full movie list in there. Although there are people who have read the book, like Natasha Crane. She's a friend of mine and Bobby's, and she's part of our teaching team at uh, the Cross-Exam Instructor Academy. She had only seen one movie out of the 20 or so we recommend seeing. She goes, I still track with the book. I still like the book. So, Mm. Because we describe what's happening in the book. But there are life lessons that can be brought out, not just the fact that all these superheroes point to the ultimate hero, Jesus, but let me give you one big life lesson that I think is, is really good if we've got a minute, and that is... Um, one of the biggest life lessons that I think needs to be taught to people is we need to show them that you're, they're not supposed to follow their heart. They're supposed to guard their heart, mm. okay? Because Proverbs 4.28 or 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Well, Tony Stark is the perfect example of that. He actually has a device right planted in his chest that's designed to guard his heart from mm. encroaching shrapnel, yeah. Right now, we unpack what all this means in the book, but that's one of the life lessons that you can. It's visual; you can see it. Guard yeah. your heart, Tony. 
Mm, so good. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to reading this book. I'm looking forward to diving into more of these conversations with my family as we continue to watch some of these movies. I think we're on uh, movie four or five of Harry Potter and on book maybe five or six or so. So I'm looking forward to continuing on this journey and reading this book with my family. Bobby, any final thoughts or words here? Well, I just want to encourage people to get Hollywood heroes. Uh, Frank is a great friend, a very gifted, internationally recognized apologist. Uh, you've probably have heard of his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, or Legislating Morality, or Stealing from God, uh, and now this comes out. And I think this is an opportunity to not only uh, talk to your kids about truth that matters, but to have a bunch of movie nights together, Mm -hmm. because at the beginning of the book, uh, they lay out the different movies that they're going to discuss. So if you're looking for family nights for the next umpteen weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a plan. Go get some popcorn, watch a movie, and then have a spiritual conversation around Hollywood heroes. That's fantastic. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Unapologetic Show, and we look forward to meeting you next time. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.